0: Moncrief with Energlaze Glaze on News Talk. Ireland has a pretty healthy film and television industry and more often than not, multiple international productions are being shot here. That spawns all sorts of support services, including special effects. Arachnid FX is based in Limerick in Dublin and they'll make you any sort of a monster. Brian Campbell is one of the founders of the company. Afternoon, Brian. How are you? How are you keeping? Not too bad. Could you tell us, could we talk first about how you got into this business in the first place, and what you used to do before this.
1: Yes, of course we can. So uh, many, many years ago, back in 2006, I was working for Brinks Alloyed, um, where we did the cash replenishment and uh, services on ATM machines. And unfortunately, I was involved in a, a bit of an accident back in early 2009, which uh, <laughs> caused a dramatic change of career, to put it nicely. Right, uh, uh, but you, you, you were shocked. <laughs> I was, that's what it was, yeah. The, the, bit of the little incident was of me being involved in a, an attempted robbery in which I was shot a few times in a, in <laughs> work. Jesus, and we like,
0: were you outside at the time, or, or what were the circumstances? I was,
1: I was, yeah. No, uh, I was off to service one of the ATM machines, and uh, I heard a bang turn around, didn't realise at the time I was clipped the first time, and then I was looking down the barrel of a shotgun to put it nicely for the second time. <laughs>
0: Crikey. And w- w- their idea was to kind of shoot you and then they'd open up the ATM for themselves? Or what, what was uh, that plan?
1: I couldn't tell you. I, God, God only knows what, um, what's in the mindset of some people. But um, getting money was obviously one of them. And unfortunately, uh, they were leaving empty-handed bear, leaving me with uh, injuries. And that, that was it. <laughs> right. And were the people, the perpetrators, ever caught? Uh, long story, yes. Not charged over what happened with me. Oh, with anyway. right. So, okay. Uh, but it, yeah, yeah, but it <laughs> left you with
0: fairly severe indis- uh, injuries. What it, kind it, of injuries? Yes,
1: yes. Uh, well, a, a good portion of my ankle was taken out and removed, so it was all exposed bone, so I had to learn to walk again over the course of a year and a half. So um, I, I'm, It's one of those, I live with implications and issues with my ankle for the rest of my life, but mm. it's, it's one of those so I just have to deal with it and th- that's it, to put it nicely. So.
0: Right, okay. So you're spending that 18 months thinking maybe a you change your career, um <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: at, at the time at the time it was a bit different because I was promised office work but unfortunately I was handed the redundancy papers uh it was a, it wasn't a nice way of uh, Insult to
0: injury company. literally
1: it was. It was a bit of a spit in the face, to put it nicely, yeah. <laughs> if you can say that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it. Yeah, crikey. Was, I, I was shafted, <laughs> to, yeah. put it, to put it very, very nicely.
0: Uh, right, so, so so, I suppose then you were kind of in a position where you had to think of a, a change of direction. Uh, how did you come up with this? Is this something you'd been interested in before?
1: I was very much interested in art at a, yo- a younger age, where I'd, I'd sit in and draw all day rather than going outside and playing football with the guys on the street. I was more interested in just sitting there quietly reading a book and just drawing. That was always kind of a, a hobby. I was good at art in school. I dropped it in fourth year because, it, to me, it wasn't challenging enough. Um, mm. To the United to the of my art teacher, who was, was very, very good, and told me, do not drop it. You've got a career in art. And um, I was going through a lengthy recovery um, over the, the the shooting, essentially. And um, I just picked up where I was, I was spending a lot of money on model kits and toys and figures and painting and things like that. And um, my wife was having an idea. She goes, why don't you learn how to make some of this? Cause, um, part of my rehab was I wanted to get a Predator costume because I was obsessed with the movie Predator. And I was like, I really want this to be a drive and force for me recovering and being able to walk again that I had to get up to get into this costume. Mm. Um, and it, it cost a hell of a lot of money at the time. And with that... My wife suggested uh, she goes learn how to make the stuff. She goes, you're artistic; you could do this easily. And it turned out, I'm not too bad at what I do. And we have managed to forge a career over. Yeah. So, where where is there a place you can go to learn some of these skills? There, there is a few different colleges now. I'm self-taught and still learning. Um, but there is a few different colleges around based in Ireland that that do offer courses um, and degrees in art and film. Yeah.
0: No, no, presumably because you have a multifaceted business because you do make uh, costumes for people who go to Comic-Con and cosplay and all that kind of stuff, but also uh, stuff from movies. So I, I assume there's a range of different things you have to know about in that.
1: There is, yeah. It's very, very diverse. Uh, you can't really pigeonhole yourself and to say, I only want to learn the animatronic side of thing. Or it, to be able to say, well, I can sculpt, I can mould, I can cast, I can paint, I can do 3D work is very, very beneficial in the industry mm. because it's forever changing. And like I said, you can't really get pigeonholed. It's it's very rare you'll get hired and to say, you're only working on this area. Now, there is people who are so talented. They, that's all they got hired in because they're the best of the best and they want those people for those areas. But for the likes of ourselves, it's very, very resourceful to have your fingers, certainly have many skills in different areas of the trade. Yeah. Would you use a lot of latex? Latex, it was, back when we originally learned it ourselves and were all teaching ourselves how to do's and do nots of doing the stuff, with latex was our, was our go-to. And years to come, then you start mixing up with urethane rubbers and then silicone has become kind of the predominant one where it's, it's a game-changer. Mm, in, okay. In terms of versatility and movement and everything like that, so,
0: so I just have a pen picture in my head, and you know where you work from is full of moles and weird looking heads. all yes. over the place.
1: Yes, there is. There's there's many moles of severed heads and dead limbs and bodies, and we have a, we have a rental section in our company where we offer out the likes of dead bodies and limbs and severed limbs and creatures and weapons and props. So uh, we have shelves full of the stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and, and then the kind of the animatronics, I imagine, is, is a completely different skill set.
1: It is. It is. Now that's something I'd love to learn. I I know very very basic basic pulley systems and things, but there is guys who are specialists in that area where it comes into animatronics and when you see things move and stuff like that, it, it it's very very it's, it's nice to see it. Yeah. Turn around and blink and look back at you. <laughs>
0: uh, now, to, just to give people an idea. You, you have done work on on the first season of uh, uh, Halo. Uh, you worked we did, on, yes. yeah, you worked on Disenchanted uh, yeah, and you worked on The Cellar. Uh, just to name. Yes. Now, there's, as I understand, there's ongoing projects, but, you know, you're NDA'd up the wazoo about those, so you can't yeah, tell us. Yeah, yeah, the
1: same things we can't talk about. Yes. A few big things lined up, but we cannot speak about them, and I'm not getting in trouble. <laughs> uh, so, Halo, what did you do for Halo? Uh, we did, I think it was uh, 150 of the marine helmets. Right, okay. So, yeah, we made around 150 of those helmets we did back, it was 2019 was when we made those. And why do they need 150 of them? Well, there's a lot of Marines. Yes. <laughs> there's a lot of Marines. You have to take account for breakages in the case anything happens to some of them, or if certain ones they need to redo or fix up. Um, and we were requested to make that amount. And we made that amount in a very, very fast period of time, which we were very, very happy about. Um, we're very, very proud of what we did on season one.
0: Yeah. And these are kind of because, of the, just to explain to people, they're kind of, you know, space soldiers, I suppose. And the, and the, and the yeah. helmets are fairly kind of sturdy looking.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you can't have something flimsy and actors walking around and it's wobbling on his face or it's caving in on top of him. So there's a certain durability that has to be made on them. <laughs> yes, I'd imagine so. So, like,
0: I yeah. assume there's going to be a second series of Halo. Would then they come back and say we need, you know, 100 more? Or are they just to keep the ones that you've made for them and plough on?
1: Uh, there are certain times certain things are kept. Other times you just need to make more. Uh, I, I can't really speak about season two yet. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> 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 That's as far as I can do. <laughs> we
0: can all draw our own inferences from that. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, how long does it like say for season one of Halo, then then how much time investment is it from for, for uh, from a FX's point of view? How much time do you have to put into that?
1: We we were outsourced. We we work with our sister studio down in Limerick, which is Odyssey Odyssey Studios. Um so we were working alongside the guys with that. So we had a certain time period. Of, we have a few weeks to get a certain amount done, but they must be done. There's no delays. You can't delay a production. Um, it's, it costs a lot of money, and it's not good to delay them, mm. especially when you agree to times and dates of which you can have something completed by. So um, it was just a case of we just we went hell for a letter and we worked. Well, it, it was getting very, very enjoyable because we had a system down which was working very, very well for the team that were working on it. And that's what I said. It was nice being able to line up all the the weapons and props and things like that across the table and look at them and go, wow, this, this looks great.
0: Like are yeah. very,
1: very happy with the work we've done. It. So it, it's the, the big benefit and reward is when you get to see it on screen, you go, wow, that looks great. Like, we're very, very happy. And when directors and producers and the team who are all involved in it are very happy with your work, that's it. Job is done, complete.
0: Yeah. And uh, and, and uh, how much time in advance do you get? Uh, um...
1: We certain productions, we, we've literally got phone calls saying, hey, we need this done by next week. Can you guys get it done? Oh, gosh. Um, it, it depends. Some, sometimes you can have something done very, very fast. Other times you need to take a step back and say, I don't think we can get this done in this period of time because certain things, it's, you're waiting on chemicals to set up and certain time limits on certain materials you use where you, you can't change them. <laughs> it might take two hours for this to set up and you cannot physically change the chemical formula on that to speed it up. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, it takes two hours. Or certain materials might take 14 hours to set up and that's where you need to sit down and calculate, okay, we need this, we need this. If anything goes wrong or if there's a miscast, something gets cast up incorrectly and you have to redo it, you know, you've got to put all that into account to, to begin with. Yeah. So uh, we're and looking enough we've got a good team of people we all work with. So it's, it's usually we, everyone gets on board together, sits down, has a quick chat about the, the job and what's, what's entailed.
0: And on Disenchanted, what did you do for that movie?
1: Um, we did again we worked with the sister company there down in Limerick um, we did the gold griffins that were inside the hall oh. um, there's a beautiful scene they were, they were painted on set by a chap named Neville I, I don't know Neville's surname but they were absolutely beautiful looking the paintwork that he finished on them we did the uh, hair coating and uh, buffing and polishing up in the studio and then they were sent off the set to be assembled and painted up and they were beautiful we did um, the large four columns that were inside the buildings as well and was it en- scary? Couldn't tell I think it was Ennis Carey. Yeah. Ennis Court here, Ennis Ennis Carey. I can't remember which one it was. But they were inside the town hall. They're seen a few times throughout the film, so um, they were built in-house inside the studio as well. So there's a few different things.
0: Yeah. What happens to what? And and I know, like, you're making things for the production, so they own it. What happens to all that stuff? Uh, What happens to all that stuff afterwards, I wonder?
1: And um, some things, uh, some things you never know because you never ever see or hear from again. Other things often end up in auctions. Um, there's large auction houses that often buy in a lot of props from film and then put it up for auction. Because there's a lot of collectors who would love do pieces yes. of film. I'm I'm one of those myself who does have a prop collection from TV film as well. So, you know, I, I've known what it's like to look and cry when you see the prices of some things, realizing you are never ever to on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine so. And also, like if you make a prop for something and then you know you see it being sold in London for a hundred grand, you. Know? <laughs>
1: It's rewarding, but then you realise you're never going to have the money to buy it. Back. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I suppose in one sense, yeah, that, that, that is true. Now, the I suppose the other part is like you know your uh, Comic Con and, and cosplay. Like uh, since the original Predator outfit, how many d- outfits do you have?
1: I've uh, five at the moment. They're sitting up on mannequins in my, one of my rooms at home. Um, there, there could be more because a lot of them had swapped out parts to become different costumes. But there's five currently standing on mannequins facing you when you walk into that room. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: you can like basically, you you work for your own personal tailor or you own your own personal tailor.
1: Yeah, because I'm a a tall guy. I'm six foot six. So not many people make caution to fit me. (laughs) And I'm a a big guy as well. (laughs) Wow, um, that's an impressive predator then. Yeah. It is when when you're fully decked up and you're standing a a good bit over seven foot tall. Excuse me, sorry. It means people are looking up to you. So it's not, You know, if they're looking face to face and you you watch the movies and you say, these guys are supposed to be big, big guys. So when you see, when you're fully decked up and looking down at somebody and they're looking up, and especially the the reactions of some people are fantastic, especially with younger kids. Some kids love monsters, they run and they'll jump and hug you. Other will see you and don't go near me. <laughs> it's same, but it's the same with uh, adults as well. Some adults think it's fantastic one photographs, and you get the ones who are like, "No, get away from me! Don't do not touch me!" and they're gone the moment you see it. So yeah, it's understandable. So that- those funny reactions we get with people.
0: <laughs> uh, those kind of outfits are they very sweaty and heavy to go around? They in? can be. Yeah.
1: yeah, the original predator cautions that we all would have made were latex, so it's very restrictive on the body at times. Um, but obviously, it heats up inside, and it can be very, very sweaty. Now, nowadays, if we were going to do one, we do one in silicone where. It, it, moves with your body a lot easier Um, it's a bit more of an expensive costume to make Mm. but uh, it lasts longer silicone has a way better longevity and uh, life expectancy than the likes of latex would
0: yeah but if you like had one um and you kind of wore it all day, you wouldn't recommend somebody else get into it the next day?
1: No, no. It, the, for the likes of a lot of the personal costumes, it's it, it says we don't really know people to go in because I wouldn't want to hop into a costume after I was into it in a few hours. Brian! The cleaning up and taking care of the suit is a big part of it as well, which a lot of people forget about, but there's a lot of clean and aftercare as well. There's I'd imagine really so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I remember
0: years ago, it was a promo, a promotional idea management at the time had that they dressed up everybody who was working on News Talk as superheroes. Uh, and, I, and I was supposed to be the Joker. And they had imported this Joker's outfit or a Jester's outfit. Uh, from the yeah. UK, which obviously had seen a lot of action uh, in ki- kids' parties and uh, a lot of failed actors who maybe had a drink too many, and uh, I didn't get this—I <laughs> didn't get the impression that it had been washed particularly well. So
1: I—I uh, uh, say that was <laughs> the, the costume didn't stay where it was. Then I presume <laughs> yes, it did.
0: Uh, Brian, thanks a million for talking to us today. Uh, that was uh, Brian Campbell, there, uh, a monster maker uh, and a part owner of Arachnid FX. Moncrief. Weekdays at 2 p.m. With Ener Glaze on News Talk.